Guardian Unlimited. Okay, we're on Matthew Street with Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wire and Danny from Ladytron. Okay, yeah, Matthew Street is central to the Liverpool story, the music story, in that two incredible clubs happened here. One is obviously the cabin, and the other one on the other side of the road is Eric's, which was the place that I the Bunny Man, Julian Cole, Pete Burns, Paul and Holly from the Frank Goes to Hollywood came out of. You know, there's a whole list of people. The Cavern is, you know, obviously the big story when people from out of town talk about Liverpool. And there's a point where a lot of us got tired of that, you know, in a way that fueled our generation's thing of saying, we have to start again, you know. <laughs> this is a rebuild of the Cavern because the original Cavern was knocked down to build a car park for the British Rail or something like that. Some, that's the mythology. But now, now I'm able to look and say it was incredible that, that that happened in a place like this, you know. It's tiny. There was no alcohol for sale. And when you think of that, a scene, a music scene, as strong as the Merseybeat scene, came out of a place with no drink. I mean, I'll show you the cabin, as I said, and you'll be shocked by how small it is, including how small the stage is, you know. When we, we think of the Beatles, we think in big scale, you know. If people are coming to Liverpool, they tend to start the tour here. Okay. Bill Drummond, right, let me tell you about Bill. Bill okay, Drummond, who runs Zoo Records and obviously runs the KLF and the K Foundation. He reckons there's a ley line running down Matthew Street, which is why you've got two incredible scenes coming from this one little street. We need to have Eric's on the cavern either side of the road. It's... 99 out of 100 Liverpool bands started here in this street, and that's a mad statistic. Unfortunately, they zoned the fuck out of it in the last 10 years. Don't swear. <laughs> oh, sorry. They zoned the living hell out of it in the last 10 years, and it's full of scallies. It carried on as another club for a while afterwards called Brady's, but it, Eric's wasn't just a building. What's incredible was that you went two floors down, they had drains that didn't work, so the toilets were always backing up and flooding it. It was black and red, the cheapest paint they could get, but the thing that made Eric special were, well, there were two things. One was Roger Eagle, the guy who started it, and he DJ'd, he'd been a DJ at the Twisted Wheel. So he didn't just see it as a place to put music on, he saw it as a place to educate the next generation, like Arla, and he'd be playing us reggae and blues and the doors and psychedelia, stuff we'd never hear otherwise, you know. And he was, he was fantastic, and he put us all on. His mission was not just get people through the door, but make the people who come through the door be the next generation. So we all started playing here, you know. First time I came, me and Ian McCullough came on Friday, the 1st of October, 76. And the Stranglers played for 60p. And then a month later, we saw the Sex Pistols. And it wasn't until May the 5th, 77, the Clash came, but that was the greatest gig I ever saw, and my life was in there. Except it stunk, and it was sweaty. What do you look? Uh, sort of make make of, of Matthew Street and Eric's and is it something that it's still very much there as a touchstone? Well, well Eric's yeah it's almost like a it's 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 almost like a jealousy that we didn't have like <laughs> an Eric's. I think it's fair to say in the nineties the infrastructure in Liverpool like musically was was pretty torn to pieces. There wasn't there was a big vacuum there yeah. and it was like crying out for somewhere like that. Yeah. But yeah Eric's was incredible because for I mean I went I went the first night as a fan and I played the last night, the night the police raided it, in a band. What know, happens in there now? Nothing. It's you know. just empty. No, because in a way, they tried to run it as a club afterwards, but like I say, they never had Roger Eagle, they never had a mission, they never had a, a visionary, and Roger was a visionary, you know. Yeah. I mean, now, now it's a bit of a theme park. Street, it's a theme park now. It's, it's basically just Beatles tourism. It's yeah. just, yeah. And there's not really any reason to come down here yeah, any night Lenin, of the week. Lenin's apart from Could you have a beer? Um, yes, yeah, we're at the other end of Matthew Street now, and this is now a shop called Ted Baker, but in the late 70s, it was a pro records run by Jeff Davis. 
And whereas Eric's was our night school, Jeff was the visionary of the daytime stuff. He gave us all jobs. I worked there, Julian Cope worked there, Pete Burns worked there, Paul Rutherford worked there from Frank Goes to Hollywood. We all worked there. But he, he was also doing the thing of not just giving us a job so we could hang out and form bands. He played us music all the time. When I worked there, he threatened to sack me if I didn't buy Troutmaster Replica by Captain Beefheart. And I did, and it changed my life, you know. But... Uh, it was a really important thing, and in the afternoons, on a Saturday afternoon, there'd be 300 people in the shop, and he had to have security in the end, because it, it was like a gig. This is the corner of, is it Button Street? Button Street, yeah, Button Street, 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 and at the end that? of Matthew Street. Oh, yeah, must, you Matthew see that Street. sign up there, the Calvin Course, I mean, this has basically been zoned. I mean, I don't know when, I think it was maybe 93, the probe moved up to Slater Street, which is by Carova, and really, it took the scene with it. So it's, it's, it's a case of, it's, it's something to come and see, because it's obviously very significant. But the scene now has moved on. Yeah, it's all yeah. moved to the other end of town. It was always destined to, in a way. It's mm. like it's the equivalent of going to Paris and going to Montmartre and thinking you're going to find the genuine Parisian art Absolutely. scene, you know? It's yeah. the same thing. Okay, we're now in Carova, which is Lady Tron's bar, essentially. And uh, it's considering, I mean, Lady Tron is an electro clash band, it's a departure from this sort of Mersey beat sound. And yet today we've had Pete's been in here. Uh, Ian McNabb's been in here, and there's still a sort of real crossover. I mean, is that is that deliberately what you, what you want here? Or? Well, well, yeah. I mean, when we started with with Rob Gutman, it was like a collaboration with him, and. Uh what we all wanted was somewhere that was just like a music place that wasn't somewhere that was good one night of the week that you only went three hours. More like a kind of community centre almost. Okay. It's so, fantastic because uh, it's the first place in Liverpool in years that's forward looking with music at its centre at the core of it, which is why you get us all coming in here. When I first came, I liked the fact that it looked sometimes like two different places because there's great tables and booths with orange light around you, which is kind of groovy and... And you look at the back and it reminds me of Andy Warhol's factory. You know, there's like brick walls, which I loved, you know. And so you could, depending on what angle you got your photo taken, you could be in four places at once when you come here. If you've got a pinpoint geographically, this Liverpool musical village, it is this area. It, it is this area. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, as in any city, there's a lot of very conservative stuff in this area as well. But in terms of the height, it's the highest concentration of creative creative industries and music and, and, and what have you. The other thing about this part of the city is it was the part that grew up with the dance scene when house music came to Liverpool finally. This is the scene that built up from it, like we'll go around to Cream in a bit. And uh, this is where, like the bar bar next door was the first cool bar. And you're saying there's also a slight overlap with, with um, fact? Yeah, fact sensor is important. It's like, it's like an art house cinema. Purpose built, purpose built, and, and gallery space, and it has cutting edge stuff, amazing film programming, all kinds of film events, stuff for local video artists, and it's like it really created like this hub, and that's definitely civilized this block. I mean, we're on the same street as it. Okay, we're now onto our next. Liverpool musical institution which is Cream. Cream is the super club of super clubs. It's still an ongoing, as they call it, brand. All over the world. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact there are loads of them. And James Barton is the guy behind it. James I'd known when he was a kid and in nineteen eighty seven or eight I was living in London and went to Shum and to Paul Oakenfold's clubs. And I came back to Liverpool because Big Audio Dynamite, Mick Jones' band were playing and the last night of the tour was Liverpool so I said I'll have a party for them in my house because I've been to loads of stuff with them. And I brought up smoke machines and I brought up uh, strobes, all the classic acid house things because acid house didn't happen in Liverpool, people didn't deal with acid house. The only gate crasher was James Barton and he hadn't seen acid house and he kind of went, 
this is fantastic and started a club called the Underground. So I am responsible directly, as well as inventing hip hop and folk music. I, uh, inv- I started Acid House in Liverpool indirectly. The Cream Place was a big, fairly cavernous, clean warehouse compared to the old underground places. And it kind of took off really, really quickly. And it became, if you were going to make a Joan Collins film about Acid House, it would be in Cream because it was all the jokes about cre- about you know people standing on podiums off the boxes doing that big fish little fish dance, <laughs> and it was fantastic. It was fantastic for years. They got the best people in. It was queues around the block. How did people that were involved in rock orientated music in Liverpool react to Cream suddenly becoming well, a the, phenomenon? The, the truth is. Most of them loved it because it was somewhere to go and take drugs and see glamorous girls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when we started the Ladytron, our studio was um, around here in, in Liverpool Palace, just had a tiny little room. And then next door was this guy, Dan, who, you know, was like, you know, basically he'd done a lot of music in his time, but he was making Scout's house, you know. So through the wall, I was getting this all yeah. the time. <laughs> And like it definitely did inform what we were doing. Not not necessarily cream, but the kind of the diaspora. Yeah, diaspora. I mean, across this area, the people making music and and whatever responding to the you know, cream people who were in the in in cream's like solar system. And everywhere in Liverpool, other than Carova and a couple of places in the rock scene, is influenced by cream. So we're now in our final. Uh, uh, Liverpool Musical Institution, which is probably bringing things right up to what's going on now. It's the Zanzibar Club, which is um, the home of the Zootons and the Coral. They were playing at a night called Bandwagon. Yeah. And they were, I think the Zootons and the Coral and the Delta Sonic stuff was quite important because there was a big thing about the Lars. I love the Lars, we all love them. But it became such a thing, everyone just formed Lars type bands for years. Like in the same ways after the Beatles until our lot came. It was a Beatles city. The Zootons and the Coral and Delta Sonic moved into another place, you know. And the one thing the Zanzibar's got, which is beautiful, is it feels like home, because it's not flash and it's not fancy and it's... It feels, it feels like a bit of a, a social club in there or something. In a way it is, but, it, but it's still got an edge because you get seven or eight bands on a night. Yeah, so there's yeah. a competitive edge as well. There's a room upstairs, a massive room that people just hang out in, which is again part of what made it a cool place to be. And like Will just said, it reminds him of Eric's because it is informal and it's black and red and it's got no airs and graces, but it's fantastic and it's a real, I mean, I hate to use this word, but it's a resource, isn't it, for local bands? And you do get quantity rather than quality. Maybe when it's cut over, you'll see lots of really great new bands. Here you'll see people, these are probably auditioning now, here you'll see all kinds of bands and it won't always be, you know, perfect, but it'll be good. Guardian Unlimited.